Welcome to the National Community Church Podcast. We're thrilled to be able to share this weekend's message with you from Pastor Joel Schmigel. You can find us on national.cc or subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Hey, it's great to be together today, excited for what God has for us today. And uh, man, God is good. Dan Rivera, that song though, that song, that was like, I was on a journey. Were you with me? We were going somewhere, and uh, I'm, I'm going to go back. I'm going to have that on repeat. Uh, we're going to have to. We're going to get that. Have to get the name of that song and, and share that. That was so good, and uh, so it's great to be together today. We're going to jump right in today. Uh, my grandfather, my grandfather, he was a hardworking farmer in Central Illinois. He had eight kids. Lord, help him. <laughs> And he's a small town, surrounded by corn and soybeans every direction that you look. And he was in his mid-30s. He was kind of making it. And, uh, but you know what? Alcohol was getting a little bit of a, it was becoming a little bit of a vice for him. And so then that gets into some marriage issues. The marriage started to deteriorate a little bit. And things were just starting to fray at the seams. Uh, God had gotten a hold of his brother, Jay. And he had this rich relationship with the Lord. And so Jay was one of those guys. He was a show-up guy. You know those people? Don't you love those people? Show-up people in your life. And he would just show up when you needed them. And so when the hay needed to be bailed, Jay was showing up. He was helping out and vice versa. And they would go on barbecues on Sunday. They would hang out. But he was just intentional in their relationship. And so he would just come alongside. And here's what happens when you're intentional relationship. You earn the right to be heard. And so that faith could be lived out, could be walked out, could be talked out in relationship. Well, uh, Jay went to a small Assemblies of God church in, P, uh, not Peoria, it was Bloomington, uh, Illinois, and, and they were having revival services. And so, of course, my grandpa got invited. Of course, my grandpa did not go. Instead, he went to the local movie theater, and he was watching a movie that night, and the Holy Spirit conviction got him. He stood up in the middle of the movie, walked out, went over to the church, heard this message, felt the spirit of hope, and he walked the aisle. He went down to that altar, and he committed his life to God, and he left his pride down at the altar. He left his control down at the altar, and he gave his life to Christ and our family legacy was changed in a moment. <coughs> Excuse me. And in that moment, Christ got a hold of him. <clears throat> and things started going a different direction. And here's the thing. When your, family's, when your family's legacy is changed, that, that doesn't just mean something for you. So those eight kids grew up knowing somebody who was committed to God. Grandkids, great grandkids who come, came after didn't get a legacy of somebody broken down, somebody selfish, somebody self-absorbed. No, they got a legacy. We got a legacy of generosity, yeah. of faith, of faithfulness, of consistency because of what God did in his life. And God showed up. And, and here's the thing. God showed up in that moment and all because of God's saving grace yes. and because of one man's intentionality. Yeah, yeah. So what was a, a generational 
curse was turned into a generational blessing. Come on, somebody. Can we give God praise? <coughs> Excuse me. And so here's the thing. I thank God for Uncle Jay. I'm grateful for my Uncle Jay. And God rest his soul. But you know what? Our lives are different because of his intentionality. And forever, Jay, thank you. Thank you. What could have been one road is a different road. Because you stepped out in intentionality and it changed the course of a life of multiple lives of hundreds of lives that came behind him. Here's what the scripture says in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 7. Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their ways of life and imitate their faith. I wonder if you have somebody that was intentional in their faith in your life. And you think back and, and okay, maybe it was somebody who prayed for you. Maybe it was somebody who just took time to reorient their schedule. Or somebody who... Uh, took time for you and spoke life into you. Uh, maybe they took a moment and they just went out of their way to see God's potential within you. And it could be a grandparent, could be a parent, could be a pastor, could be a leader, could be a friend. But the fact is this, that their intentionality and faith changed the course of your life, didn't it? It moved you, and I believe that the blessing of God will come in the generations that follow you because of what God did in you through somebody's intentionality. Today we kick off a new three-week series called Intentional. And faith is not shared by accident. Faith is shared by intention. The fact is this. Our faith was born because of God's grace and because of somebody's intentionality. God moves in us, and I just, I believe this today, that somebody else's redemption is on the other side of your intentional faith and investment. Do you believe that today? Yeah, amen. Somebody else's redemption is waiting for your intentional faith and your intentional investment. When we talk about intentionally sharing your faith. I wonder what ideas come into your mind and come into your heart and come into your emotions. You know, maybe some of us get a little bit nervous, right? Like, oh man, I, I don't want to be, I don't want to have a confrontation in conversation. Or maybe you feel a little fearful because you start thinking about, well, what about the questions that could be asked of me? And I'm not sure I know the answers if those questions get answered. Or maybe you feel a little bit indifferent because you feel like, you know what, faith is personal to me. And I don't think I need to talk about that to other people. They can figure things out for themselves. And so we all have different thoughts. We all have different emotions. But I, I just want to encourage us today to, to think less about converting someone to a religion and more about being intentional in living and sharing a life-transforming relationship with God just like Jay shared with my grandfather. And we are forever, eternally indebted to him. Yeah. Because he took some steps of faith and intention. Yeah. So think about it in a little different way today. In our text today, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, 19 through 23, Paul exhorts us to live with great intention. And I'm going to dive in and read it for us today. You can see it on the screen and follow along with me. It says this. Even though I am free of the demands and expectations of everyone, I have voluntarily become a servant to any and all 
in order to reach a wide range of people, religious, non-religious, meticulous, moralists, loose living immoralists, the defeated, the demoralized, whoever. I didn't take on their way of life. I kept my bearings in Christ, but I entered their world and tried to experience things from their point of view. I've become just about every sort of servant there is in my attempts to lead those I meet into a God-saved life. I did all this because of the message. I didn't just want to talk about it. I wanted to be in on it. Come on, I love ending with that one. Because we're in on it people, aren't we? We are a want to be in on it church, aren't we? I always say we are a take the next hill church. We're not here to come together and sit around. Jesus didn't say, hey guys, what do you want to do today? No, he said, let's go. Let's get it. We are in on it church. We are a step out of our comfort zone church. Paul, he gives a master class in intention, doesn't he? This is a powerful passage. And I want to take a few moments today just to unpack it. To unpack, and I want to give us four encouragements today. If you got your notes, I encourage you to jot these things down. If you got your phone, you can go on the NCC app and you can see notes on there. But, but let's jump in. Four encouragements as we think about being intentional in our faith. Number one, see the value in others. See the value in others. Paul says he became a servant to any and all in order to reach all kinds of people. And then he goes on to start listing those. And he covers a lot, doesn't he? Religious, non-religious. He says meticulous moralists and loose living moralists and, and the downtrodden and, and, and the Republican and the Democrat and those who go to Whole Foods or those who go to Safeway or those who go to Trader Joe's, right? Are you with me today? And those who... Do the toilet paper on the bottom, right? And those who put the toilet paper over the top. Where's my over the top people? Where are you today? That's it, really? I mean, every year on staff retreat, Pastor Lyle, you, you just ruffle feathers because he says it's supposed to go underneath. I don't understand. Somebody help me. Who's the underneath people here? The, yeah, it's you. It's you. You're the only one, man. And I'm trying to keep my theological respect for you, but this is really... And so Paul just covers everyone, doesn't he? He covers the whole lot. He says, for everyone, for anyone, my call is to serve you. I like the way John Maxwell said it. He says, if I see you as broken, I'll fix you. If I see you as hurt, I'll help you. If I see your value, I'll serve you. And so we have to realize this. I am a person of value who values people and adds value to them. You got a neighbor, don't you? Turn to that neighbor and you're going to say it with me, okay? Say this to your neighbor today. I am a person of value who values people and adds value to them. I don't know if you really believe that or not, but thanks for saying it with me. And here's the thing. You can hear it and you're like, okay, well, that's kind of a pithy, maybe positive psychology statement, but I actually don't think it is. I think it's a powerful theological statement. I am a person of value. I know that God is creator, that he handcrafted me 
Ephesians 2, to do his good works that he prepared for in advance, right? And I, and I see value in others. What, that's the imago Dei, Genesis 1.27. I see the image of God in others. And I might, to call value out in them, and that's Matthew 20, 28. Jesus said, I didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. Our, our call is to, is to be like Christ and to follow in his ways. And so we are called to serve those that God has put on our path. This is a powerful theological statement. Value. You are of great value. Can I speak that over you today? But we are to see values on, value in others, and then we are called to add value. Do you remember last week when Dr. Foth got up here, and what did he say? The first thing he said, there you are. Yeah. I love when he talks about there are two kinds of people in the world. There are, here I am, people, and then there are, there you are, people. He's a there you are person, and that's what I'm talking about. Living our lives in a way that adds value to those around us. Every relationship is a treasure hunt. We are called to see the God and to see the good in those that God has entrusted to us within relationship and within the course of our days. And we're to acknowledge those moments. Dr. Foth and I had a friend named Charlie White, and he was a former Navy submarine captain. He's a former chief of staff on Capitol Hill, and we came into Charlie's life in the last leg of his journey about nine months that we walked with him. And in that nine months, he found faith in God. And we got to walk him to death's door and walk him through that. And so it was a powerful experience. And we got to have incredible conversations. We talk about faith. We talk about the scriptures. We talk about questions. And we talk about what this new relationship looked like. And I remember Charlie talking about in his faith, you know, it's amazing in faith. It's like I see things in a different way now. And he said, it's, I, I look over in the mornings and I see the Mona Lisa right next to me. Just, she's so beautiful talking about his wife, Mary. And we just stop right there like, you shouldn't be telling us this statement, right? It's a call in Mary. You, you need to tell your wife what you're telling us right now because you're not scoring points with us. I'll just be honest with you. There are some points to be had Right here, right? And, uh, and so he shared that. And, and the fact of the matter is this, that, that faith activates our eyes to see value that we didn't otherwise see before. Listen, I wake up in the morning and I'm like, the Mona Lisa is ugly compared to what I get to look yeah. at. God, Ooh, thank you, Lord. Is that okay? Can I, did I just score some points? I'm speaking truth right there, girl. God bless you. He blessed me, actually, because he gave me you. Is that okay? Is that okay? I love you. But, you know, I'm kind of joking, but I'm really not joking because my faith and my prayer, it opens my eyes to see. I see more and more, like, God, I don't deserve you, babe. I love you. I am blessed by God because of you. And my eyes are open more and more. Listen, I'm getting off track here. This is not a marriage <laughs> But I always tell Nina, you go out the door first because my parents always told me to follow my dreams. Yeah. Come on, somebody. Come on. <laughs> Woo. You know better than to get pickup lines from your pastor. This is the wrong place to come. I'm just saying. God is good. What were we talking about? So back to marriage. No. The Mona Lisa, right? 
All right, what am I talking about? Seriously, what am I talking about? G.K. Chesterton, he said this. We, th- we see, excuse me, the things we see every day are the things we never see at all. That which is in our path and has value and beauty, we just walk past those things. Charlie, he saw this value and this incredible, and, and his faith opened up his eyes to see that which was always in front of him. And he called out that value. And Charlie's faith pulled out Mary's faith a little bit more. And here's what's so cool. He, was, he didn't see her as a project in any sort of way. He just saw the beauty and the value and the uniqueness and the goodness of God in her. And what does faith do? Faith begins to call that out and note that. God uses these little moments. He uses our lives to bring about the goodness of God and those people around us. And I have no idea where I am in my notes right now. But God, but God just does this. And, and he doesn't just tell us to do it. He does it, right? He saw an Israel in a Jacob, didn't he? The father of many nations. No, that name means deceiver and liar. He saw an Israel in a Jacob. He saw a Peter in a Simon. What other people saw, he saw uniquely. He went to the well. He saw an evangelist in a five-time divorcee. He says, this is who you are. Everybody else has named them otherwise. God says, no, I don't know what you're talking about, but here's what I see. Here's who you are. We're so struck. Nina and I and our family, we watch The Chosen sometimes, and and Jesus looks, right? When you watch it, you just catch this glimpse. And the way that he looks and sees people It's a sermon before he says anything. Just the look, just the vision, just the see. God, give us your eyesight. Help us to see that which is truth in the kingdom of God, but nobody seems to be acknowledging it. Give us your eyes and help us to see and call out and see the value in others. Number two, live an active faith. Paul says, I didn't take their way of life. I kept my bearings in Christ. He remains steadfast in Christ. A faith leader on Capitol Hill used to say it this way. He said, you don't need to teach a young man or a young woman when they fall in love how to talk about the other person. If they are in love, they're just going to find ways to talk about them. Therefore, our responsibility is to cultivate our walk with the Lord when, before we think about strategy of how to share about him. If we're cultivating through faith, through scripture, through fasting, through reading, through prayer, when we cultivate this this passion and this love for God, he will naturally teach us the way that we need to go. I've found that the people who spend most time in prayer are the ones that are most active in sharing and living intentionally in their lives. Prayer begets action, and action requires prayer. Kirsten Telzero is our small group's pastor, and she has such a deep heart for the things of God, and she has such a wonderful heart to share the Lord with others and to be intentional in her life. And Kirsten had an activation moment, and it was when she began to start praying a very simple prayer, and it went something like this. She said, God, what is on your heart? Where are you at work, and how can I be a part? What's on your heart, God? Where are you at work? How can I be a part of it? 
And she didn't pray it just one time. She began to pray it when she got up first thing in the morning, every morning. And over and over, she's praying this prayer. And she started to notice things that she hadn't noticed before. She started to lean into uncomfortable, uncomfortable spaces that she had not gone into before. In fact, uh, her ministry engagement with the DC Dream Center started because of this simple prayer. And she started going to the basic training for the prophetic so she can hone this idea of encouragement in her life, encouragement in the spirit. And she's doing all these things and, and the Lord began to teach her something. Instead of doing work for God, you know where I'm going. She began to ask God, where are you already working all around me? Yeah. Open up my eyes and is it okay if I partner with you, God? Yeah. In fact, she shared verse 23, the Passion Translation says, I've done all this so that I would become God's partner for the sake of the gospel. The things we see every day are the things we never see at all. Open up our eyes, God. I've been trying to practice this prayer on a daily basis for the past week or week and a half or so. And um, I went running the other night and went running down in the National Mall. And first off, Wow, exercising in D.C. in July. Ah, it's brutal, right? It's like you go outside to exercise and it feels like you just put a warm blanket over your head and then you bobby pin it closed and then you go for a run. That's what it feels like. So I go for a run and I, I swing around the Capitol. We're about 1.1 from, from our house to the Capitol. I swing around the Capitol and it's awesome because I always look up at the Capitol and begin to pray for our staffers our Capitol Hill interns, congressmen and congresswomen and our senators working in that building. God, bring about your goodness and your righteousness. And I swing around and then I come on the backside, the independent side, anybody run on the hill. Oh Lord, that backside. Is the devil in the backside? Because it is a high hill, but it's great because I go up the backside and then I, my, my prayer starts going to another level for our staffers. God, do the impossible, Lord. <laughs> Take him up the hill. But, I, but literally, I'm like, Lord, as I, as I go up this hill, I pray you would give courage and conviction to climb the hill against culture that is all around us to do your work in Jesus' name. And I'm doing work in the spirit, and I'm getting worn out. So I, I wrap around the Capitol, and I feel this, um, this prompting in my spirit from the Holy Spirit that you're going to see somebody. And so I wrap around, and I'm coming back. And sure enough, I, I see somebody I haven't seen they haven't been in church like four years. And I see them up ahead. And, and so I come up to them. And, and here's the thing, you guys. When I'm running, I hate stopping. I, when I'm, it like feels like it ruins my workout. And I can't stop. And I lose my mo. And I got to keep going. But I see them. And because I was praying that prayer, I'm like, okay, I got to stop. And so I stop. And the first thing out of his mouth, it's crazy I saw you. I was just thinking about you. I love those Holy Spirit synchronicity moments, don't you? Yeah. It's like the other statement is that I hear when I'll like step out in boldness. You know, it's funny you say that because, and then they'll go on to say something that they define as coincidence, but we know as God's providence, right? Because he has orchestrated these moments. And so I stop and we have this moment. And we have this divine moment. It was a Holy Spirit. It was a right place, right time conversation that was needed. I ended up buying them dinner. And we just have this inter interaction that was from God. Set that up. I'm going to be honest with you. 
if I wasn't prayed up and asking God, where are you at work and how can I be a part of, 100%, I'm, keep, I'm, I'm going. I'm running right past them, y'all. Yeah. And by the way, it doesn't mean you have to stop every time on a run. Just in case I see you, I'm sorry. But, but I might need to keep going, all right? <laughs> Covering my back here. But, but there are times when we pray that prayer that the Holy Spirit will open our eyes up to see that which he has already orchestrated and wants to work in. Yeah. And so he works in this moment. And that's my question today. If you begin to pray this prayer, what does God want to open up moments that he has set up in advance that you didn't even know about that he wants you to step into and be a part of what he has uh, made an opportunity in advance? Colossians 4.2 says this, devote yourself to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us too that God may open up a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ. For the mystery of Christ to be proclaimed... The to-do item is to devote ourselves to prayer. Maybe this is our action point today, to devote ourselves to just praying a simple prayer. God, where are you at work? How can I be a part? Would you consider that today as your action point? What if through this series that you just began to pray that prayer in the morning and then try to live it out through your day? In fact, we're gonna try something. We're going to try some support and accountability. If you want to join us in intentionality in your faith through this series, we're going to try a text campaign. So you'll see a number behind me. Uh, I think it's CT21. If you're online, it's online21. Um, but if you want to jump in with us and let us know, and here's what we're going to do. If you jump on and you take this number, you text that. Here's what will happen. For these three weeks, we'll just send you one text in the morning at about 7 a.m., and it's just this prayer prompt for you. And you, you receive it, you pray that prayer. It might have a little something on the back end, an encouragement or an idea. Maybe a couple times in the week we might ask a question that helps us engage in a different way. But during this, uh, I think 21 days, a lot of people would say that's about how long it takes to form a habit, right? And so jump in. It's a 21-day challenge. Will you consider being intentional in your faith, if you will, I encourage you during this sermon or during this service, text that number and join us and let's pray a prayer together and let's see what God can do in us and through us together. See value in others. Live an active faith. Number three, enter the world of others. The apostle Paul didn't preach from afar, did he? He didn't hope that they would be okay. He said, I entered their world. First and foremost, this is what Christ did for us, right? He came as a baby into our world. He literally entered our world. And then he lived our life. He went through trial and tribulation. He walked through adversity. He was betrayed by one of his friends. He received and walked through trouble. He felt our emotions. He went through our experiences. He knows what we have gone through. All the wrongs we have caused in this world deserve consequence. All the stuff and the wrongs that we have caused, they deserve consequence. Yet Jesus saw all those things and he still looked man in the eye and he said this, I'll give my life for you. Take my life. And he went to the cross. And he went to the cross for our consequence. And he took our consequence. 
<coughs> excuse me, he took our consequence through the cross and then he went down and he went into death for three days and then he rose back up, didn't he? He defeated death. He went to the right hand of the Father, began to mediate for you and I. And the scriptures say in John 14 that he began to prepare a place in advance for us. I love the way that Dick Foth says it. Says it this way. He says, Jesus says this. He says, I left my place. I came to your place. I took your place so that we could go back to my place. That's the good news right there, right? Can we give God praise right there? Our intentionality is born from his intentionality. Our intentionality. It's born because what he has done for us through his intentionality. Second, what's interesting about entering somebody's world is that you actually don't have to change your relationship. You don't have to change your spaces or your people. You don't have to change your to-do your excuse me, your to-do list. You just begin to become intentional in those things. So some of our mission partners, Tony and Jamie Sebastian, Nina and I have learned so much from the way that they order their days. They're doing all the same things as all of us, but they just order them a little differently and they add intentionality of faith to the mix. And so I just want to give you a picture for a couple of minutes today to hear and to see how they order their days. Check this out. Anything attached to missions is sharing your faith with someone across the table. So our, our even model in, in reaching an, an Orthodox culture or someone with an Islamic background is not trying to say, you have to believe this specific way to become my denomination. It's I want you to wake up in the morning and love God and say, how can I know the God who created the heavens and the earth? So one of the, one of the phrases we'll use uh, just in being effective is we manufacture relationships with people. And so that's going to the same cashier or we have a crepe place that's just amazing. You know, Nutella, strawberries, like the works, it's awesome. But we go to the same place every single time. Even if it's, the line's a little longer, even if it's a little more expensive, we go to the same place every single time so that we build that long lasting relationship uh, to be able to know those people. One of the philosophies we have too is that it takes thousands of insignificant moments to make one significant moment. And we feel so often that we have to be driven to that significant moment when it's just thousands of moments that no one will ever notice that bridge and build into that significant moment. So one of the insignificant moments we had one day, we were out in front of our cafe and I had my daughter Zoe and she wanted to pet this dog. And so there was a dude just randomly walking like this little fluffy dog. And so we're like, okay, we are in a hurry and we're in a rush. We're like, okay, Zoe, you can pet this dog. And so then randomly this, this Greek college student decides to pet this dog as well. So you've got my daughter and then this random student petting a dog that some other random guy is walking. And then all of a sudden we get in a conversation with this girl because we spoke English to our daughter Zoe. And uh, in that moment we just asked her where she was from and what she was studying. And we're like, hey, why don't we get your, your information on Facebook or a number? Maybe we could use you as a babysitter sometime. And this girl ended up, within a year, being part of a, a spiritual uh, community with us. She went through the Alpha course, and then she got radically saved at a women's conference. And she is now one of the pillars that the Church of Greece is gonna be built on. She's in a, a marriage relationship with another Christian, and all because we took a little bit extra time when we were in a hurry and our daughter wanted to pet a dog, 
to just say, can we be significant with people that are around us? We say we take agenda just out of the conversation because the, the reason why people are not attracted to evangelism and not attracted to missions is because they feel like they're the target audience of like we're trying to sell a vacuum to them. And we have the greatest message in the entire world, so I don't need to sell anything to them. They're not the agenda on the other side. Like my conversation or my friendship is not attached to agenda. It's just I want to have authenticity in sharing my life. And, and as I'm being authentic, the God who created the heavens and the earth lives inside me, and that's just automatically gonna come out in the life of someone else. And they're gonna see that and become attracted to it. It's answering questions rather than me having to tell them in a monologue of what to believe. We tend to think of faith as one moment where we make a presentation, right? But I love what he said. It takes a thousand insignificant moments to create one significant moment. So let's change the way our thinking. What does intentionality look like for you? And I like the way Pastor Heather often says, she says, you don't make your goals, you schedule your goals. How can you start to schedule things in your pathway? For example, Nina and I try to, um, we will often on Wednesdays, we try to teach the scripture to the kids. And so Nina will go to Starbucks and uh, she calls it Starbucks in Scripture. And she goes with Ella. And she'll go there. And she's now known there. And she walks in. And what do they say? They say, uh, one decaf water to go. Because she always orders a water on the side. And so they kind of make fun of her. And they have, they've built this relationship. Zeke and I will, will run out. And we go to different places. We do Whole Foods and Holiness. We do Bullfrogs and Bible. We do uh, McDonald's and Emmanuel. But we ended up at Pete's. We do Pete's in prayer. And so that's kind of, and we settled in specific places because we like to go to different places, but we can build relationship if we go to one place. And so we go there, and when we're going there, we're not just reading the scripture. We found that the scripture jumps off the page, and we have opportunities to actually encourage somebody else in the scripture. And so Mike needs a word today. So we're going to give a word to Mike, who's one of the baristas there, and we build relationships. In fact, Sunday morning, Zeke, we were there this morning, right? Every Sunday morning, we go to Dunkin' Donuts. All my examples are food examples. I'm sorry. Every Sunday morning, we're hitting Dunkin' Donuts. We walk in, and they got our order ready, don't they, Zeke? We don't even send it in. They got it ready to go. We walk in, and we see our people. We see Q, and we see Kenya. Kenya's always got her shirt on. It's uh, roses are red, blah, 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 eat more donuts. And so we'll have a moment. But we always try to go in with a blessing or a question or an invite. So now I do keep inviting to church, but they got to make the donuts, so that's not really working out. And so they're good workers there every week. But what are those little places and ways that you're going to do it anyway? So start adding intentionality and scheduling it out and see what the Lord, how the Lord can use you with intentionality. What does that look like for you? The pursuit of comfort and convenience in our culture has had an impact that we don't even realize. And so... Uh, you know, we, we, we've gone from interaction to transaction in relationship. You think about it. You used to go to the grocery store. You get to know the clerk. Now you just order groceries to come to your house, right? You can order on your app a smoothie to go. You can go in, no interaction, and leave and get that as opposed to going in. You sit down. You get to know a waiter. You have some interaction. You walk by your neighbor to get into your house. And you, instead of going to their porch and having an art, in fact, there's an article about, um, talking with Pastor Mark this week, and he mentioned an article about how air conditioners have changed the course of relationship, and they've killed the porch. 
So because we're so used to going inside and controlling our temperature, we no longer hang out on the porch. Places where conversation and community happen. And so life as convenient in our culture has superseded opportunities for intentionality to build relationship and to share intentional faith. How can you reverse cultural trends and walk a different path? How can you add intentionality to your life? Listen, I want to invite the worship team to come. And the challenge is this today. We just talked about it for a minute. Don't overhaul your schedule. Don't feel guilty in what you're not doing today. I don't want you to walk out and feel like, okay, I have no time or ability or the know-how in terms of leaning in. No, don't do any of those things. Just decide to pray a simple prayer. Lean in and pray this prayer. God, where are you at work and how now can I be a part of this? See what God can do by praying a simple prayer and then turn your attention to intention. And lean in and stop to talk to that neighbor. Get to know those around you real quick. Begin to listen to what God is doing around you real quick. Four H's for listening. History, heart, habits, hurts. History, tell me your story. Heart, what do you love in life? Habits, what are you into? Hurts, what's going on? How are you doing with that? And if you don't know the hurts in your neighbor, I want to, I want to push you a little bit. Maybe it's time to listen a little bit more, right? Maybe it's time to lean a little bit more. Because we can find treasures in relationship, but we also need to find those hurts. We are called to lament, and we are called to healing, and we are called to miracles. So lean in and listen in your neighborhood. As you're prayer walking, as you're praying this prayer, start to open up your eyes and start to listen to all that is around you. But add intention. Walk by that barista, get to know their name. Walk by that janitor, get to know their name. Step into intention. I know this. If you were to go to Minear today, you ask about my grandpa Schmidgall. For those who are around that knew him, you would hear this. That's a good man. That's a God-fearing man. That's a man who has invested in our community. He would take a couple of barrels of corn to anybody that moved in new to the neighborhood. And he became, a stalk, he became an oak tree of stability for that community. God used him in incredible ways. And I love going to Minear because people hear my name and there's good things that come my way because of what he established. God saved his life. But somebody was intentional in their conversation, in their interaction, and in their faith. And he's the better for it, and so is our family. And so, Lord, we ask that you would help us in the same way, God, to live our lives intentionally. We give you our lives right now, and we pray you would take us and use us. Now we respond in this moment of worship. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.